Welcome to the 30th episode of Season 2 of Kenny and the Coaches. If this is your first time listening, after this episode, you should go back and listen to Episodes 1 through 29 of Season 2, and all 52 episodes of Season 1, but only after you listen to this one. And on this final episode of August, I talk with a fellow Coach K, Coach J.B. Kimberlin. Coach Kimberlin is in his first year as the head boys basketball coach at Alba, and he spent the past two seasons at Mountain View Goaty Bowl. Here's my conversation with the Northwestish Oklahoma version of Coach K, Coach J.B. Kimberlin. Coach, thanks for taking time out of your uh, your summer schedule to visit with me a little bit. It's always uh, nice to talk to a fellow Coach K. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. Yeah. Uh, really have enjoyed listening to some of your podcasts. You've had some great guys on. Yeah, well, it's, like I said, it's like I told you whenever you messaged me, it's, it's almost uh, – it's more for me than it is for everybody else. I just thought I would record it, you know, just getting to pick the brains of all these coaches. A lot of people I've never met, just kind of heard of, and that was, you know, it's just kind of neat hearing their story, you know. And e- even some of the people that I've – you know, that I've kind of had to talk to be on. It's kind of like, you know, I haven't coached very long. I don't have much of a story. Everybody's got a story. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's usually a pretty neat one. And speaking of stories, first off, I mean, tell us a little bit about your kind of your coaching career and how you how you got to Alba. Well, so long story short, um, I didn't go to college right out of high school, went into the workforce for four or five years, met my wife, decided I wanted to be a teacher and coach, moved down to Hydro to go to Southwestern. Um, and during that time, I met Wayne Anderson, a uh, great mentor, great guy, gave me the opportunity to coach AAU ball with his 3T program, learned a ton from him. During that same time period, I was a volunteer assistant at Hydro Eakley with Rick Gore for five years. So I've been super blessed in my career to have mentors like that. Um, both of them have won a ton of ball games in their career, have great knowledge of the game. Spent one year at Union City uh, doing my student teaching, and I was uh, the assistant for Robert Duvall, uh, another great guy. And then from there, so I got hired at Mountain View during the COVID year, so it was kind of stressful. You know, I was wrapping up school. I was ready to go. COVID hits, nobody's doing interviews. I'm like, man, I did all this and now I'm not going to get a job. Cause yeah. at that time it was like, nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Fortunately, I had ran into Landon Scales, who was the boys coach at Mountain View at the state tournament uh, for A and B before COVID shut everything down. And he had watched my boys play. He was like, Hey, I think you guys would be a great fit at Mountain View. He's like, I think I can get you a job. So he talked to our superintendent, Sam Belcher. Um, so about a month into COVID, Sam calls me. We do an over-the-phone interview. Uh, he said, I don't have a head coaching job, but I do have an assistant job for you, and you'll be doing a little bit of everything. Uh, so I go over to Mountain View. I'm assistant football coach for Jeff Coakley, assistant for girls and boys basketball. I'm doing third through sixth boys and girls, elementary basketball, and then I'm helping with baseball. Uh, and then that going into that second year, Jeff Fletcher decided to step down and go to cash and kind of kick his feet up and just do the principal thing, be with his son and his grandson. So I took over the girls program, which in my mind, I, I don't know, I wasn't super crazy about coaching girls. I'd always been around boys. I had always coached boys. At that point, I had coached three or four summers of boys AAU during the summer. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't know how that was going to go. And they were coming off of winning three games in two years. <laughs> yeah. My boys, my boys were in a good situation. They had just gone to the state tournament. They had everybody coming back. It was going to be another great year. So I decided to stay there and and just see what happened. Fortunately for me, my girls bought into my mentality. I was like, "Look, I've I've only ever coached boys, so I'm going to coach you like I would coach boys." Mm-hmm. So they they did a great job buying in. We went ten and ten that first year. And then last season, we ended up going 22-8 and eight and playing in the game to go to state. Lost the Sickles by eight points. So had a really, really good year. Um, now, my middle son had just finished his junior year last season. And the year before that, my oldest son and that group of boys had graduated. And then Sam Belcher and his son went to Calumet. The Whirly kid went back to Carnegie. So kind of left my son in a, in a tough situation. That'll happen like late summer. So I, I wasn't going to leave Mountain View in a bind like that. So I was like, I told him, I was like, look, you're going to have to tough it out for a year. Yeah. And then going into the spring, I started looking around. I wasn't going to leave to put myself or him in a worse situation. Mm-hmm. But if I found, if I found a situation that was going to be good for both of us, I was going to jump on it. So I was looking around. I'd done a couple interviews. Nothing, nothing was just jumping out of, out of the page. Like, oh, yeah, I got to take this job. So I had actually told my wife, I'm done looking. We're just going to stay in Mountain View. Aiden's going to make the best of his senior year. Yeah. Football will be good. Um, and then Wayne Anderson actually called me and asked if I'd be interested in the Alpha Boys job. He, Our superintendent over here knew him through the 3T program and was looking for a boys coach. They didn't like how the search was going. So I came up here for an interview. Interview went great. Um, so I interviewed on a Monday night. Tuesday morning, they called me, offered me the job. I was like, absolutely. So super mm-hmm. excited to be here. We had a really good summer. Um, my son came in. We got a kid from Woodward that moved in, and we have two returning starters from a twenty-three and five team. So I think we're going to be we're going to be a solid team, and hopefully, we can have things go our way and play well enough to make a run at it late in the season. Yeah. Now, kind of talking about, you know, moving schools, I was thinking about this the other day, and you kind of talked about, you just said that about um, wanting to put your you and your son in the best situation possible, not wanting to put them in a bad situation. But, like, going to a new school, I mean, I'm going through that adjustment too. Going through a new school is always a tough adjustment, not only for you, but for the family as well. Talk a little bit about the adjustments like the family, your family has to make in a change because sometimes I think that's an overlooked part of it. And that's as a young coach, whenever I first started, you know, it was one of those things kind of like you, I was just in the workforce. I was actually working in television and and radio before I became a coach. And it was just kind of one of those things. I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants. You know, I was like, Oh, Hey, that's a good job. Let's go do that. Not really taking into account my wife. And at that time we just had one, one kid, but that's always a tough adjustment for uh, the family. Kind of talk a little bit about that. So it is an adjustment, and, and moving is always kind of a pain. Um, fortunately for us, my wife had gone and talked to her boss. She has a really good job, gets paid well. So she went and talked to her boss about possibly working from home to kind of open up what I was available to take as a job, and that worked out. So mm-hmm. uh, so she's able to work from home. She only has to drive to Hydro once a week. Um, now the, the thing 
and we also have a two-year-old, so he's home with her now. Uh, her sisters were her, our babysitters. They were there in Weatherford. Mm-hmm. So that's been probably the toughest adjustment. Yeah. Um, my son that's going to be a senior, he uh, he fits in with any group, any crowd. So, it, so it's been a pretty good transition for him. He was already talking and hanging out with kids before we ever moved up here. Yeah, that always um, helps. And then our oldest son actually just finished his – freshman year at Northwestern so it's nice having him back at home and, mm-hmm. and being up here with him Yeah. now how has the Alba community been welcoming you and your family oh man they've been tremendous um, and, and everybody I talked to when I was thinking about taking this job said that, that Alba's a great basketball community they're going to be super supportive and, and that has been true to form mm-hmm. uh, since I've been up here Yeah, that, that always helps you know whenever you feel welcomed you know, <laughs> it's kind of switching gears a little bit. Who were you? We kind of talked a little bit about it the very first, but who were and are some of the people that kind of influenced your desire to want to become a coach? Because of all the people that I talked to, there's always an instance or a person or an event that kind of made you want, made made people that make people want to become a coach. Um. So. I, I was always my family is always big sports people. We were always watching sports. I played football and basketball, ran track in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was I, I lived with my mom and my dad. So I kind of jumped around schools a lot. So I never I never was at one school for my whole whole playing career. Mm-hmm. Um, but Randy Castleberry, he was my uh, basketball coach back in uh, when I was at Bridge Creek. He was a big influence. Uh, I knew early on that I wanted to be a coach, but when I finished high school, I knew that on the academic side of things that I was just kind of burnt out, done mm-hmm. with school at that point in time. So going back later as a as an adult student, which I was still young, I was 23, 24 when I went back, but I was old enough and had matured a little bit that I did a lot better than I would have done going right out of high school. Yeah, man, that's, you know, a lot of times you always hear about people or, or about kids whenever they graduate from high school and they were like, oh, I'm going to take a year off. A lot of times they don't come, they don't go back to it, you know, but there is right. something. But, you know, and I think that speaks to the person that like you that came back and did it because, man, it's a it is a tough thing to get back into the swing of things and be mature like that because you're 100 percent correct on that. I know I wasn't mature enough to go straight from, you know, little old small Fox America to Edmond, Oklahoma as an 18-year-old. I was not mentally mature enough to do that. I mean, I you know, I toughed it out and I got my degree and all that. But if a, a few years growing up, I think, would help people. But like, like I said, you know, a lot of people don't go back to it. They just kind of get comfortable in making money and, you know, don't really follow through with those dreams. I think that's what a lot of people worry about you know now uh, oh go ahead go ahead i will say this so when i was working i I became a manager of a subway restaurant very quickly uh so i was like 19 running my own 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 store Mm -hmm. um and then when i met my wife i was actually managing two stores at the same time and i was making more money Mm. than that i've ever made being a teacher or coach but I'm, i'm very passionate about what i do now so that helps with the money side of things yeah, you know, and I, I've I've said this with a lot of people because I've talked to several people that kind of that have either done like what you did, kind of waited a little bit to go to school, or went to school, got their degree, and 
you know, got te- became a teacher and a coach and then took some time off and came back. If it's if coaching's in your blood, at some point you're going to get to it, you know. And then once you get to it, I don't think you ever let it go. You know? Exactly. Now, who are – and I didn't have this as a younger coach, but who are some of the coaches – that you – coaches or just people in general, you would consider to be like a mentor coach or someone you go to for advice? So and even now as a head coach, when I'm watching film and, I, and I'm like, man, how am I going to defend this or how am I going to attack this? I, Wade Anderson's always one of my first phone calls. I will call and pick his brain, and he always gives me great advice. I still call Jeff Fletcher – um, I, I got to know Brady Hamer really well through 3T. His son and my son played together on the same team for a couple summers, so I, I conversated with him up in the stands. So I, I call him nowadays and, and pick his brain on some things. Um, and then Rick Gore, uh, he's always got a set play ready for you if you need it. <laughs> yeah. Man, are you uh, kind of kind of getting off topic here? I, whenever I came up, I kind of I was a football guy. So basketball, it was kind of like at the school that I was at when I first started. It was like, you know, we're a football school and basketball comes second, you know. So it was like they made – I was just an assistant football coach, but they just kind of threw me into being the head boys basketball coach just because they needed a coach to do it, you know. So I was – I kind of taught myself basketball. I mean, I always grew up, you know, playing basketball, love basketball. But I just – I did – I I tell people all the time, I had like two or three set plays, and we just ran and defended full court, and, you know, we just really got after it that way. But that's something that – from my, the time that I started back in 2007 or eight, I can't even remember. It's been too long ago to now. It seems like everybody has like 20 plus set plays. You know, I'm just like, I can't, I couldn't remember all that. I don't know how kids can remember all that. Well, and it's funny you say that I'm exactly the same way. Like football is what I loved playing. Like I just played basketball and play it. And, and I did track. Um, so when I when I originally went to college to coach, I had it in my head, I'm going to be a football coach, I'm a defensive-minded guy, I want, I want to mm-hmm. be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but during my time with Rick Gore at Hydro, I fell in love with the game of basketball as far as, as coaching is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really am in the same boat you. I had to, I had to teach myself because, you know, I played it, but basketball is so different going from being a player to being a coach. Yes. Yes. And even my oldest son is learning that now because he wants to be a coach now. And he comes to me and asks me because he's coaching a little AAU team right now. And he's like, I don't know any drills. Like, <laughs> do you have drills for me? And so I was like, dude, you played for eight years. He's like, yeah, but I, you don't. You just do it. You don't pay attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I just – I was a sponge. Whenever I was around Wayne or Rick, even Robert and Jeff, when I got to Mountain View, and I had already been around basketball for five or six years at that point, I was just a sponge and was absorbing as much as I could from those guys during my time as an assistant. So I really felt when I when I got my first head coaching job, I was very prepared. Um, I was ready for the challenge of taking over that girls team. And like I said, luckily luckily for me, they bought into to my mindset and my raw. I'm a pretty high energy guy. Mm-hmm. Raw, raw guy, and, and they they fed off that energy. Yeah. Now, is it is it a tough adjustment 
at a smaller school having to be involved in multiple sports and going from sport to sport? It is. So, so I, I was the assistant football coach at Mountain View, and I was doing cross-country all at the same time. And then, you know, when softball ends, my girls came in there. So I, I stopped being the fo- everyday football assistant and just go to being game day assistant for football so I could be in practice with my girls. So you're juggling a lot during that time when multiple sports are going on and you're involved. I, so I was doing three sports at one time for yeah. the first two weeks of October. Yeah, yeah. That's it's the thing about small schools. I think we talked about before we started recording. It was, you know, at some school, at the school I was at first at Fox, it was like I went from one sport to the next and didn't have any downtime. And then, you know, at, at Empire, at my previous school, before I got to here to Velma, it was like I had – Football, basketball, and then the spring off, and I felt like I was not doing my job because I didn't have anything to do after school. You know, that's how I feel right now. I won't have anything in the fall, and I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, my my golf game's gotten better this summer, you know, <laughs> but it's uh, it's just like I feel like I need to be breaking down film or something. You know? <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> Now, kind of getting back into basketball a little bit, do you think it's more important for your teams? And this might be, you know, something that for me, let me ask the question first. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. My mind's, I I do that. I'll start asking a question. And as I'm asking the question, I'll have another question in my head and I'll start going (laughs) off on that. Do you think it's more important for your basketball teams to be defensive minded or offensive minded? Uh, definitely defensive minded. So I, I put an emphasis on defense. I'm like, look, I'm perfectly fine going and winning a game 23 to 20. I know that's not the popular opinion, mm-hmm. but I feel like if, if you're a great offensive team, you're going to have off nights. You see it, you see it at all levels, high school, college, NBA, and the teams that can play defense find ways to still win those games when they're having a bad offensive night. The teams that don't buy in defensively, they end up getting ran out of the gym pretty quick when they're having a bad offensive night. So, yeah. and that's one, that's one challenge I I'm going to have here at Alva. Just, they know they're going to be so explosive offensively. And I saw it at times this summer. Um, they just, they, they take plays off on the defensive end of the floor and that drives me crazy. So I definitely put an emphasis on defense. Is that something that you've always done? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and that kind of Wayne Anderson kind of rubbed off on me in that way. Um, He's a big man-to-man guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick was a one-three-one guy, so they both put a lot of emphasis on their on their defense and and just doing things the right way, closing out, staying on the floor. Don't and you see it all the time, especially in boys basketball. Kids just jumping a mile high to try to block a shot. Somebody drives right by them because they yeah. shot fake. So yeah. little uh, things like that drive me crazy. Yeah, and the reason why I asked that was because I had this discussion with. I know I had it with. Coach Magoo from Central on the first first one I did. Whenever, you know, I coached against him back in the Fox days, back in 2008, 2009, and we had games. He was coaching at Payola at the time, and we had a game that didn't go to over. It went to overtime, but before it got to overtime, the score was in the 90s. And it was just like, I mean, we and we went from that, and then, you know, I, I took a hiatus and went and worked in the oil field for about six years. And then when I got back and started being an assistant coach, the games were like, boys' games were in the 40s. And I was like, man, that's that was a good girls' game 10 years ago. You know, and it's just, that is, that, that part has changed. And I think it's a change for the better, because I think, you know, 
and I don't know watching it from the stands, but watching a good defensive basketball team is, I mean, you just, they, you, you get compliments on their hustle. Their, you know, I, I think the move towards defense is probably uh, better for the kids and better, you know, for college opportunities and stuff like that. Because if you can't defend, pretty much everybody can shoot anymore. You know, I, I will say this: I, I'll get more fired up for a great defensive possession than I will for somebody going down and hitting a three or dunking. And I usually, when we score, I don't care how we score. I usually am turning around and and walking back down the court to coach the defense. So yeah, yeah. making sure they get back and stuff like that. Yep. Yes. Now, how do you feel the level of basketball has changed in Oklahoma since you started coaching? Man, and I was just talking to uh, Margot Hamilton yesterday about this. She's the girls' coach at Burlington. Her son is on my on my high school team. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about just how big the game of basketball has gotten uh, between AAU ball. I mean, there's some kids that aren't even playing school ball anymore. They're playing AAU year round. Yeah. Um, but it is it is a big deal nowadays and I think there's more kids that are not playing football and just playing basketball now mm-hmm. than ever, than we've ever seen before especially in the last 10-15 years yeah do you think that's a I mean I know it's good for the kids that just want to play basketball but do you think that's a good thing overall to have as much exposure to basketball what exposure to basketball as they do because I always kind of worry about kids burning out yeah, I worry about kids burning out too. I I want kids, and I'll tell my players this all the time, and, and even my middle son, who's stupid athletic, I, I make him play all the sports, and it drives him crazy sometimes because we're rolling around in the spring, and I'm like, you're playing baseball. He's like, oh, I don't really want to. But yeah. I think for injury prevention and just being exposed to different coaching styles and mm-hmm. and you just have to have a different skill set for every sport. So I think it's good for those kids that play all the sports or, or two, at least two sports. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. And you can always tell, especially in smaller schools, I don't know how many camps, you know, summer camps have been to over the past few years. Whenever we, you know, when we were at empire and we would play a team that didn't have football, they would always ask, "Oh, that that kid plays football, doesn't he?" Just the physicality that I think that, especially like going, kids coming from football to basketball, that they bring and kind of that mindset because it's like you said, it's a totally different skill set, and kids aren't good at turning off, uh, you know, a rough, violent sport like football into kind of, of a more finesse sport in basketball. Which it's anymore, it doesn't seem like basketball is as finesse as what it used to be. But you know, you can always tell the difference in those in those kids. Just just watching them warm up, like those football school kids, they're they're muscled up. They're, they're, some of them look like grown men out there, and you're like, my God. <laughs> Versus those schools that just do baseball in the fall and a bunch of little scrawny athletic kids out there. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and vice versa, too. I know we came back from a camp a couple of weeks ago, a basketball camp at Frontier, and the football coaches were kind of speaking on kind of the footwork of the kids that played basketball. You know, just because it's, you know, you use different muscles, different, you know, different yes. mindset and things like that. And I never really looked at it from that point of view, you know, as a as a football coach, seeing the basketball kids come in, you're kind of like, ah, these, you know, these sissies can't help us do anything, you know. <laughs> but the, but they usually turn out to be the more athletic and, and um, you know, it's overall agile kids, you know. Uh, do you feel like 
districts or something that for all levels of basketball is something that's coming and are would you are you in favor of it are, are you talking about what 5a and 6a is doing this year yes and do you think it'll yeah, end up I, filtering i'm not a, i'm not in favor of it i really hope it doesn't trickle down um they they do that based off of like the area that you're in right they put you in a district on I, teams that are close to you yeah i think it's going to be a lot like football you know from what i've yeah. talked with other people it's going to be like you know, whenever the playoffs get there, you're always going to be matched up with, like, you know, if you're in District 1, you're going to always be crossed with the District 2. Yeah, I, I like our current playoff system. Now, now I, I wish that the ranking system was a little bit more do your research, don't yeah. do the buddy system. Um, but I, I like our current playoff format in basketball. Um, now, sometimes you get a bad draw, and that's just – how it goes and the other yeah. other years you'll you'll get a great draw mm-hmm. um those two years that our mountain view boys went to the state tournament you know one year we got a really really tough draw and then the second year we went we got a great draw all the way up to the state tournament now roth losing to duke kind of put a wrench in our plans because we ended up having to play fort cobb that first day of the state tournament <laughs> that's the one team that was in the state tournament that year that we did not want to see on the first day yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I, I you know the more that I kind of look at it, it's it's usually the teams that are going that are good enough to get there. They don't care who they play, you know. Right, you right. Know, with the exception of like Fort Cobb, nobody wants to play them. You know? Right. <laughs> or you know, if you yeah. have to get matched up with Dale, nobody wants to play them. No, <laughs> and, and I, I like the I like the way we do our conferences in basketball. You know, in four A, that conference that Weatherford and Andarco and them are in. That's a that's a really tough conference, both yeah. boys and girls. I tell people all the time that might be the toughest conference in the state in any class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you get some kind of weak conferences, but um, no. Oh, all in all, I think there's some really good conferences, and I like I just like how we do it right now, and I hope it stays that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it always kind of seems like, I mean, I'm not trying to get, you know, crossways with OSSAA, but it always seems like they try to make 5A and 6A always a little bit different than the rest of us, you know what I mean? Yes. They always kind of try to put the spotlight on them, and which that's fine, but, I mean, I, I, I'd be totally happy if they just kind of, you know, kept them, <laughs> kept them, kept that district stuff with them too. Yes, I agree with that. Now, before I get to the big three questions at the end, I want to know if there is a cooler mascot name than the Goldbugs. I don't know. It was pretty unique. I, uh, when I first learned that they were the Goldbugs, I, I told my wife, I was like, well, we will never be at a school again that has this mascot. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is really unique, uh, and it's it stands for the symbol of excellence. So, yeah. uh, you know, I've always been either a tiger or a bobcat or a lion, so... Yeah. Definitely unique and uh, probably something I'll never have as a mascot again. Yeah, those are, you know, I, I kind of, I can't remember where it was. I heard it or seen it somewhere where they were talking, someone was talking about the the coolest mascots in Oklahoma. And that the anytime somebody brings up, you know, kind of awkward or not awkward, uh, unusual mascot names, Alva's always comes up and Miami's always comes up. Cause I just think war dogs is just a, a cool nickname. I mean, I'd, yes. I would want war dog gear if I was, you know, in Miami, <laughs> but Goldbug, That's the first one that always pops in my head is Alva Goldbugs. you know? So, all right. Now I got the, uh, with the ladybugs, the ladybugs. Yeah. 
Now, okay, I started this thing a couple of uh, episodes ago called Big Three Questions. I got three questions for you. It's a little bit different than the other questions. All right. Okay. First question, what is something J.B. Kimberlin is bad at? Oh, I'd say probably working on cars. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's fair enough, fair enough. Okay, number two, if you could visit with any athlete or coach to pick their brain, past or present, who would it be? Mm, that's a that's a great question. Oh, I'd probably say Lon Kruger. Okay. How, any specific reason on the lawn? Uh, no, I just I just think he's always done a great job. I I love watching watching his teams, even when he was back at San Diego State. Um, okay. I was super excited when OU hired him. Um, I just think he does a really good job. Okay, all right, all right. And final question: You go to your local pizzeria, the Alva, you know, local pizza place, mm-hmm. and on, on the menu is the JB Kimberlin pizza. What's on? <laughs> Probably a little bit of everything. All right. The, the more stuff is on a pizza, the better. I I, I, I like it loaded up. All right. So he's going to be the, the fully loaded. It's like the baked potato fully loaded. You're going to have everything <laughs> yeah, on it. Well, Coach Kimberlin, Coach K, I want to thank you again for joining me. I also want to thank you for getting the Kenny and the Coaches podcast out there like you have, giving me the boost in listeners that you did here recently. And good luck to you and the Alva Goldbugs this season. Thank you, sir. Thanks again to Coach K for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode comes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. And also, every Wednesday at noon on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page is Not So Instant Replay. You can check out the official Kenny and the Coaches website in the description. And if you're on Twitter, just search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time.